If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. We are in the 8th chapter. This is our third week in this section of 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9, in which Paul gives us a theology of Christian giving. And so our text for this morning is chapter 8, verses 10 through 15. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word, for the word of the Lord is completely inerrant. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative, and the word of the Lord is completely sufficient. 2 Corinthians 8, beginning at verse 10. <clears throat> and in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. O Lord, our God, we ask this morning that you would open up your word to us. That even as we study your word, we would know more and more of who you are, of what you have done, and of what duty you require of us. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, this is our third week in this section of 2 Corinthians regarding giving and generosity. In this section, Paul uses a specific occasion, that is a famine in Judea and, Samaria, and uh, Jerusalem, to give general principles about generosity and giving that can be applied not only by the Corinthians in Paul's day, but by us in our day as well. We have seen of first importance that the main theme in this section is one of grace. Paul did not begin with a law. Paul did not begin with a command, but he began with an example. The joyful, abundant giving of the Macedonians in the context of persecution and extreme poverty. Then we saw last week that Paul turned from that example to a series of instructions to the Corinthians and to us, grounded in principles about giving and generosity. Continuing on his theme of grace, the first principle was that because giving is a grace from God, 
we ought to desire to abound in the grace of giving. The second principle was that we should test the reality of our love by comparing it to the eager sacrificial giving of others. And then the third principle that we saw was that we should measure our commitment to giving by the ultimate example of sacrificial giving in Jesus. Now this week we turn to two additional principles given to the Corinthians, but they are again applicable to us as well. Two more ways to think about giving. The first principle this morning that I would like us to see is that giving is according to ability. Giving according to ability. The second principle from our text this morning is that giving is according to need. Giving is not just according to our ability. Giving is also according to need. Let's take a look at each of these in turn. This principle, giving according to ability, is that we ought to pursue our purpose to give in accord with our ability to give. That is, once Paul has established with us that we should desire to give because a spirit of giving is from the grace of God, we then ought to execute or follow through on that spirit of giving through actual giving. And that actual giving is to be in scope with our providential ability to give. Let me say that again. Our actual giving is to be in scope with our providential, that is, from God, given ability to give. When we talk about providential ability, we are still once again talking about grace. Because after all, what is a providential ability but that which God, in his providence, has given to us? James tells us, for example, that every good gift comes from the Father. And Paul has reminded the Corinthians in his first letter, and we've seen this before, that everything that they have received has come from God. And that we are not to act as if somehow what we have is self-produced. It comes from the Lord our God. Now, Paul explains this principle of giving according to ability in three ways. The first way he sets forth in verse 10. That is, that it is in our best interest to give according to our ability. Look with me, if you would, at the text. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. Now, as we look at this verse, remember that this is the baseline for the grace of of a generous spirit. It is not a limit. Giving according to your ability is not the maximum or the limit. If it were, Paul would not have praised the Macedonians in verse 3 for not only giving according to their ability, but giving beyond their ability. It is an expectation 
of giving. We might think about it in terms of a budget. When we budget for things, that is not an absolute limit of what we are going to spend on something in a month. It is an expectation of what we are to spend on various categories. Food, housing, automobiles. But there can be circumstances that would make us go beyond our budgeted amounts. We might have to spend more in one category because it's necessary, and then we would take from another category. Or we might have to use some savings, or we might have to put less in savings. A budget is a baseline, it's not a maximum. So I'm sure you've experienced something like this. You get together a budget, you figure out an annual amount you're going to spend on groceries or on home repairs or on auto repairs, and then you divide it out by 12 and you come up with your monthly budget. But sometimes circumstances intervene. So for example, our family does budget and we put in a budget an amount for home upkeep and home repairs. And again, we divide it by 12 and come up with a monthly amount. The problem is when, as happened to us last week, your refrigerator dies. And you don't say, well, I guess we won't eat for the next four months while we wait for the budget to catch up so we can buy a refrigerator. No, it's a circumstance that's before us. And so we have to make that purchase, but we're conscious of how that fits into the budget and what we have to spend on other areas and how we might spend in the future. That's what Paul's laying out for us here, the baseline of giving, not the total maximum, is what is according to our ability. Now, in the same way, we are to approach giving with the idea that this baseline of our ability to give is what we should look at for giving each and every day, each and every month. Paul explains that it's in our best interest to give according to our ability. He says, in his judgment, it is to our benefit. Now, this is important here. Paul is not commanding us. He's not saying... Unless you give in this way, or unless you give these amounts, God will punish you. He's not saying, I'm going to threaten you, or I'm going to give you a formula to produce that if you give a certain amount, God will reward you. That's not what Paul's doing here. This is not about law. It's about grace. I keep emphasizing that. Because Paul does in our text. Paul does say that in this matter, that is the matter of giving, it is his judgment as an apostle and as a minister of the gospel that giving according to our ability benefits us. And he says this very directly. He says, this benefits you. It is to your advantage. It is better to give than not to give. There is a gain to be had by giving according to our ability. A spiritual gain. We have more grace because we participate in the grace of a generous spirit. When Paul tells us that it is better, that it benefits, that it is to an advantage for us, it's the same word that Jesus uses in the Gospel of John when he says it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, 
I cannot send the helper. It's the same word, your advantage, your benefit. It is something that is for our good. Now, the second way that Paul explains this principle of giving according to ability follows the first. Do you see how giving benefits the Corinthians? They had started this work of giving, and they desired to do it, Paul says. A year ago, they had taken this up, but they had not finished the work. It was left undone. It had fallen by the wayside. Now, think about it perhaps in terms of honeydew projects in your home. Do you have these sorts of home projects that just remain unfinished? They get started, and someone comes into your home and looks at something and says, why is that like that? And you say, well, my husband started this project, and he's gotten busy, and it's kind of fallen by the wayside, or I started to do this, and I haven't had time to complete it. And someone says, well, when did you start that project? And you stop and think and say, oh, maybe 2007. And you get the feeling that not only is it not completed, it's not ever going to get completed. It doesn't get finished. You see, the benefit comes as they complete what they start in Corinth. Now, this just makes sense. It is never good to leave something half done. Often, undone is better than half done. More than that, there is a blessing in finishing off what has been started. So Paul says, so now finish this act of giving. He uses very strong language. It's as if Paul says, you don't have to give, but if you purpose to give, see it through. Don't just think about it. Do it. Now, why would Paul write like this? Look with me at the rest of verse 11. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Paul says, your desire, your readiness to give is to be matched by the doing of giving. Matched means just as the one is, so is the other. Paul wants the doing to line up with the intending. To give according to our ability means more than to purpose to give. It means to actually give. Now, I can be ready to do all sorts of things. But it's the doing of the thing that shows the purpose is real. For example, I can say I'm going to lose weight. Or I'm going to travel. Or I'm going to learn a foreign language. What does that mean if I never go ahead and do it? Does it mean anything at all? That's what Paul is advising the church at Corinth. It is all well and good to have a purpose to give, to want to enter into the grace of generosity. But unless you actually finish it, unless you actually accomplish it, it really doesn't mean anything. Giving according to our ability allows us to see the matter through. For it to be real. For us to live out our principles our hopes, our desires. Don't just desire the grace of giving. Live it. 
Then the third way that Paul explains this principle of giving according to ability is practical. He said, it benefits you to give according to your ability. It needs to be acted out, he says. And now, at the end of verse 11 and in verse 12, he says that we are to give according to a reasonable standard. He says that we are to give according to our ability. But what does that mean? Now, especially when it comes to giving, we can be tempted to over-examine the situation. What does it mean to give according to my ability? Do we need to give a certain percentage, such as the tithe? You will notice that Paul does not bring that up here. He doesn't bring up an amount. He doesn't bring up a percentage. Are we supposed to give before we pay our taxes or after? How do debt payments figure into our giving? Are we supposed to borrow in order to give? And so what we can do is we can get extremely tied up in theoreticals and calculations that prevent us from giving. And so Paul makes it very simple for us. He writes, give out of what you have. Simple, direct, easy to apply. Don't try to give out of what you don't have and then be frustrated. The phrase means by your ability or according to your means. But our translation is, I think, perhaps the clearest and the most literal. Out of what you have. That is what is in your possession. God does not ask you for what you do not have. Why would he? He is the one that provides everything that you have to you. And he is the one who gives you everything you possess. Now, this is a principle that we see throughout the Bible. For example, in Proverbs chapter 3, we read, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. And in Acts chapter 11, we read that the disciples determined everyone according to their abilities to send relief to the brothers in Judea. God is not asking you to go into debt to give or to make giving promises that you can't keep. Paul's theology of giving directly contradicts so-called preachers who have a name-it-and-claim-it theology of giving who will tell you, you need to make big promises for God. Promise God that you're going to give $10,000 to missions this month, even if you've got no money in the bank. Because when you make that promise, God will have to fulfill it for you. You don't have the ability. God will have to do it for you. Now, at first glance, this sounds sort of pious. I can't do anything. God has to do everything. I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to make a big promise so that God will come through. But in reality, that's like trying to twist God's arm to do what you want him to do. And anytime anyone gives you theology that sounds pious, whether it's in giving or anywhere else, you need to do what we will do right now. You need to check it with God's word. Paul does not say, make bold promises that God has to deliver on. Paul does not say, always give more than you know is even possible for you to give. No, Paul says, give according to your ability. Give 
out of what you have, in verse 11. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. But it is also true that we are to give out of what we have. We are not to hesitate when we have resources in our hands. We are to give according to our ability. That's what verse 12 means. When the readiness is there and the means are present, then give. Don't just wish for the future. I think sometimes Christians come across the, the subject of giving like this. You know, when I strike it rich, when I inherit that money, when my business takes off, when I have a fortune, then I am going to give to missions like no one's ever seen giving to missions. I'm going to support seminaries. I'm going to help churches get planted. When I strike it rich, I'm going to give. No. If what you have now is more meager, that's okay. Give according to what is in your hand. That's what God is asking for. Do you see how Paul puts it? He says giving in that way is acceptable or favorable or pleasing to God. It is according to your ability, not according to what you don't have. So this is the first principle for us today. We are to give according to our ability. Not by what we don't have, not by withholding what we have, or by failing to follow through but actual giving according to our ability. The second principle that we see in the text this morning is also important. We are to give not just according to our ability, but we are to give according to need. Now again, this is a difficult principle to apply. What exactly is a need? If you're anything like me, you have spent many years confusing what you want with what you need. I hate to tell you, none of you needs a vacation. You may want time away, you may want to be refreshed, you may want to be uh, with your family, but you won't die if you don't get a vacation. Every single one of you needs food. Every single one of you needs shelter. That's the difference between a need and a want. And then again, are everyone's needs the same? Are we to give so that every believer has the exact same house? The exact same car? The exact same kind of food on the table? The exact same daily spending ability? Is this a way for Paul or the pastor to sneak in communism into the church? from each according to his ability, to each according to his need. Does that mean that we all have to have exactly the same amount in our bank accounts? No. That's not what Paul is writing here. He wants us to understand what a real need is and why it's important for us to meet real needs. First, we cannot forget everything that we have already learned from Paul. Giving to a need is not the only reason to give. It's not even the foremost reason to give. 
Giving is to exercise the grace of God. Giving is so that we might participate in the fellowship of the saints. But at the same time, we have to understand that meeting real needs is a legitimate goal of our giving. And so in a typical Pauline style, Paul gives us this principle of giving according to need by saying first what he doesn't mean, giving us the negative, then telling us what he does mean, giving us the positive, and then he backs it up with scripture. We've seen Paul do this over and over again, especially in the book of Romans. First, Paul refutes an objection that he sees. Then he gives the principle that he wants followed. And then he grounds the principle in an example from Scripture. So first, let's see the objection dealt with in verse 13. Paul writes, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. So Paul says, don't think that I want you to be burdened so that others can be enriched. That just describes modern politics, doesn't it? The idea is that I want certain people, the people that I identify with, to be benefited. And if you need to suffer for that to happen, then so be it. That's not what Paul's writing here. Paul's clearly writing against this idea. He says, I don't mean, I'm not saying this. And there's a reason that I'm not saying this. Others should not be eased or relieved, or we might even say put in a position of comfort if that means you will be burdened or afflicted. Paul does not want you to give to your own hurt so that others can be comfortable. That would be ungracious of him to suggest. After all, the entire idea of the relief effort was to relieve affliction, not to cause it. It also makes no sense. Would Paul then turn around and ask the saints in Jerusalem to give to the saints in Corinth because they were afflicted? Where would it stop? There would be a giving back and forth, back and forth, harming one to benefit the other. Then at the end of verse 13, and in verse 14, Paul tells us what his goal actually is. It is fairness. Paul says, But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. Now, some translations use the word equality here for fairness. The idea is of proper balance. It's the state of being fair. It does not mean the same. Equality does not mean that everything is the same. Think about your own home. We treat our children with equality, don't we? But that doesn't mean that everything for them is the exact same. That they have the exact same clothing, the exact same education, the exact same food. No, why? Because their needs are different. And that's something that we can't miss here. 
Paul is not trying to level everyone into equality. He is talking about having fundamental needs met. He is not saying that the Christians in Jerusalem should have the exact same resources that the Christians in Corinth have. Instead, he's saying that they should have their basic needs met. What Paul describes as what we need to be content. So what do we need to be content? That's a good question. Paul answers it for us in 1 Timothy 6. He says, but if we have food and clothing... With these, we will be content. I dare say that Paul's list for contentment is far shorter than the average American Christian's. For some of us, we don't think we can be content not only with us without a smartphone, but without the latest smartphone. We can't be content without a new model vehicle. We can't possibly be content and rest in anything less than that. Now, hear me clearly. I am not saying that owning a smartphone is sinful. If God in his providential care gives you the resources to buy a car or buy a home or buy a phone, that is perfectly legitimate and a use of the providential resources you have been given. But we are not to act as if that is a need, that we cannot live without it. That's why Paul references the word need here in verse 14. The word describes the most basic of necessities. You remember the story in Mark 12 about the widow and her giving of the two pennies? We've seen this over and over again. It's a wonderful illustration for all these principles of giving. Jesus tells us that when she put in her offering, she put in out of her poverty, all that she had. The word for poverty is the exact same word that Paul uses here for need. She put in out of her need all that she had. And Paul knows about need himself. He tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 that he has learned the secret of contentment, how to be content when he abounds or when he's in need. Same word. The equality intended here is not one of property, but it is equal relief from the burden of want, Charles Hodge says. Let me repeat that. The equality intended here is not of property, but equal relief from the burden of want. The principle is that Christians are to think about giving in a way that meets the needs of of others, particularly other Christians, so that they are not in dire need. This passage does not say that poverty should not exist. If it did, it would be calling our Lord Jesus Christ a liar, because Jesus told us, the poor you will always have with you. This passage doesn't say that some should work to support the laziness of others. Paul tells us, that if a man is not willing to work, he should not eat. Now, think about that for a moment. What Paul is giving you advice on is if someone comes to your door and knocks on your door and says, could you spare some money so that I can eat? And you say, well, tell me a little bit about your circumstances. Are you uh, handicapped? Are you unable to work? 
uh, do you, do you not, are you not able to find a job? And that person says, no, I, I just, I, I don't really get working. I, I don't like to be tied down. I, I could work. As a matter of fact, I had a job and I quit because it was taking up too much of my day. I'd rather spend time doing other things. What Paul tells you is you have every right to slam the door in his face. Now that sounds harsh. But Paul says, if he won't work, he shouldn't eat. So we have to take that truth into our passage as well. That Paul is talking about meeting a need for someone who has a need they can't meet themselves. And this is, of course, true in the circumstances that Paul's talking about. There was a great famine in Judea and Jerusalem. You may recall we talked about the context of this, that that was a very agrarian economy, heavily dependent on the olive industry. And as the famine came through, there was a drought, and it would have been very difficult to grow the crops necessary to make money. And we said, you don't turn the olive oil business around in a month. It's a long process. And so these saints were cut off from their family in Jerusalem, they were cut off from the possibility of earning. They had true needs. They were not able to eat without assistance. And Paul says, you are to give to meet that need. You are to meet that need in giving. And again, this goes back to the whole purpose of giving. God ordains both of these providences. The providence of abundance and the providence of want. They are both in God's control. And he does this to give an opportunity for his people to exercise the grace of giving. Finally, Paul concludes in verse 15 with a scripture reference. Do you see what Paul does here? He says, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Paul does what he does so often. He takes an historical event from the Old Testament. And he uses it to support a biblical, moral duty. Here, the duty of giving. Now, this is not a Bible command, but it's rather an example of how the Lord applied this principle himself in the days of the Exodus. The quote is from Exodus chapter 16 and verse 18. Last month, we looked at this text in our evening series in the book of Exodus. The context is the gathering up of the manna. God's people have left Egypt in a great mass. They don't have farms from which to get food. They don't have livestock to provide food. They've all just left their homes as difficult as they were in slavery. And now they're in the middle of the desert. And what do they do? God provides for them through the manna. And the way this worked was the manna would come each day. And just as the text tells us, and as Paul quotes, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. You couldn't gather a week's worth of manna. Do you remember what happened to the people who tried? Days two through seven rotted and were no good. And you never fell short because this was a community effort. So the stronger, younger, healthier people would gather much more than the older, frailer people. And 
it was not a survival of the fittest. They didn't say, well, it's too bad that you're 83 and you can't gather up enough food. I guess you're going to go hungry. No, they would have shared because God provided it for them. There was an equality that was encouraged. A sharing that was encouraged. A meeting of basic needs. One commentator puts it so well. He says, and so there was an equality, which in this case meant also a sufficiency of daily bread for all. Any who attempted selfishly to hoard the manna found that it went bad and became unserviceable either to themselves or to others. In this way, covetousness was condemned and brotherly love and mutual aid encouraged. Paul is teaching us here in this passage that whatever we have is not really ours. It's the Lord's. He's given it to us for our benefit, but also so that we can experience the blessing of giving. We are blessed to be able to give according to our ability and to be able to give according to the real need of others. As you think about giving, think less about amounts and more about how the Lord Jesus is the owner of everything you have, including you yourself. Remember that giving is about grace. It's about knowing that we belong to God who provides for his people as evidenced by him providing his son so that we might be freed from sin. Giving is a response to the grace that God gives us and the providential means he has provided that we might be a blessing to others. Let's pray.